and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy! My guest today is Rebecca Whitman. She is the author of the book, How to Make a Six-Figure Income Working Part-Time. She has studied with some of the great spiritual teachers of our times like Marianne Williamson, Abraham Hicks, and Michael Beckwith, to name a few. Her teaching philosophy includes metaphysical teachings, the 12-step recovery, and business savvy to help people get extraordinary results. Her philosophy divides life into seven pillars of abundance, which includes spiritual, physical, emotional, romantic, mental, social, and financial. I know that you're going to love this conversation because Rebecca is also passionate about empowering women to go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Enjoy! Hey, Rebecca, thanks so much for being on the show. I am just so excited to dive in and have an awesome conversation with you. I'm so excited to be here, Casey. That's cool. So tell us in a nutshell a little bit about yourself, a little bit of your background and origin story. Yeah, so I grew up a perfectionist. I really thought it was more important to look good than to feel good. And everything was always perfect on the outside. I was a straight-A student. I graduated Princeton University. I played college tennis. And then I moved to New York City, and I, I thought I would get a great job with my college degree from Princeton University, and I was only offered unpaid internships. So I... Ouch. I know, ouch, right? And I was like, well, don't you know, I just, you know, went to Princeton, I should be getting these great jobs. And of course, it was in the entertainment industry, which is super competitive. So I started circling ads in the newspaper. And I circled an ad that said, you know, you can sell these products for five years and be a millionaire. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. So I started in the industry of network marketing, and I did not become a millionaire in five years, Casey, but I did study with a lot of self-made millionaires, and I spent almost every weekend in seminars studying success principles. So I was finally able to move to LA to pursue my dream of being an actress, and Mm -hmm. I had a lot of free time because although I did have some small parts and some big shows... I was not able to make a full-time living with it. So I started studying metaphysical teachings, like great teachers like Wayne Dyer and Michael Beckwith and Abraham Hicks and Marion Williamson. And I was able to really learn a lot and grow. The one thing that I didn't quite have figured out was my love life. So I made a really interesting choice about who to marry And the marriage started to fall apart as my dad was dying in a nursing home. Oh, wow. So I was literally watching like two huge areas of my life, my relationship with my parent and my spouse, like fall apart before my eyes. So my dad's funeral was on a Wednesday and my divorce was finalized on a Friday. And in my last conversation with my dad, he asked me to write something. And I had no idea what to write, but I believe that God speaks through other people. And I was in my financial planner's office, and he's like, you're always here in like workout clothes, but your portfolio is expanding. 
why don't you teach women how you do it? And I'm like, oh my God, that's going to be the name of my book. It's going to be how to make a six-figure income working part-time. So that book came out on Amazon in 2018. And since then, I've been giving lectures and coaching based on the principles in the book. So that is my origin story and how I got to be on your podcast. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. I want to circle back to kind of the double whammy that you had to experience where a lot of our treasures are found in the traumas that are brought in our path. And I'm wondering how you kind of rebounded from such life-crushing events. Like what was the time frame? What do you really attribute that you were able to kind of be a phoenix rising? That is such a great question. So I believe in work-life balance. The book, How to Make a Six-Figure Income, Working Part-Time in My Coaching, divides life into seven pillars of alignment. Your spirituality is number one, emotional life, romantic life, mental, social, and finally financial. And my romantic life was falling apart. My heart was breaking for my dad, but I was still doing all other areas to a level 10. I was working out. I was praying. I was meditating. I had a group of supportive, loving women around me. I was able to show up for my sales job and hit my numbers. So even though a couple areas were not working because everything's connected. I was able to keep my spirit and my vibration high. And Mm, I was so key. Yes, I was actually high functioning. And I had my best fiscal year ever to date and sales while all this was happening, which was, which was so interesting to me. But it is because of keeping my vibration high and focusing on what I could control. It's like I could not control that my marriage was falling apart. I tried. I went to therapy. I tried. I did everything I could. I couldn't control that my dad was 91 and he was at the end of his life cycle. So I was just throwing myself into what I could control. And it's just, it's also about changing your focus. Like instead mm-hmm. of focusing on, oh my God, my dad's dying. My my divorce is happening. I might never have kids because I got divorced when I was like 45. It's like, you know what, what can I control today? And that's what I would put my focus on. And I was able to stay happy, not only high functioning, but more importantly, happy during that. That's incredible. Two, two things are coming up for me. One is the importance that I want to underscore having the seven pillars that you mentioned in balance. So we're not putting all of our eggs into one specific category. Whereas if that has a deficit, we're really crumbling because we bring all of ourselves to the table wherever we go. And so if we can really address and optimize all of those facets, man, we're so much more resilient. So I, I really want to underscore that. It's probably, I'm assuming, what um, what is a big part of your work now, helping other people hit those kind of higher marks and keeping their vibe high. The other thing that I'm really curious about is um, when you talked about being born a perfectionist and being like high achieving and, and high thriving, and then in times of crisis, especially when there's heartbreak and loss, 
we we gravitate to even clutching on to what we can control in an even more greater sense. I'm wondering how you struck a balance to not spin out into burnout and be over-functioning. Like there is that tendency, I think, as those high achievers that we tend to be. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I I was treating myself as if I had an emotional flu. I was like, I'm going to baby myself. Like, yes, I am going to exercise and show up for my sales job, but I knew that very heavy stuff was happening. So literally, how would you treat yourself if you had the flu, right? You would drink more water, you would take more supplements, you would rest more, you wouldn't like beat yourself up if you couldn't make some, you know, social event. And I was like, really consciously, emotionally and physically like babying myself because I knew what I was going through was really heavy stuff. Smart. So smart. Why do you think that some high achieving women wait until they've crossed the line into adrenal fatigue or burnout before they actually put self-care as a priority? Well, I got to tell you, my my gallbladder did pay the price. So I was in an emergency gallbladder surgery in April of this year during COVID. So your gallbladder holds on to anger in Chinese medicine and the whole thing was infected and had to be removed. I was five days in the hospital. So I didn't do it perfectly. I did not. So I, I, I paid the price physically for holding on to a lot of anger about the whole situation, I think with the divorce, but, um, some women and men, I think that are type A's it's, it's pain avoidance, right? So if we can just stay busy, if we can achieve more, if we can do more, then we don't have to feel the painful feelings as they come up. So yeah. I, too, am a compulsive doer. And one of my things that I work on every day is to be a human being, not a human doing, mm-hmm. and to value myself just because I exist. I'm on the planet. I'm one of God's kids. And and I get to switch my focus of, I used to think success was accumulation of stuff and accolades. And now I consciously switch my focus to success is the amount of joy I feel. Beautiful. I love that. What are some of your healthiest boundaries that maybe you didn't have set up before, but now they're non-negotiables? Wow, that is a great question. So one of the biggest ones is I don't do anything out of fear, obligation, or guilt. If somebody asks me to do something, and if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. There's no nice. such thing as a hell maybe. I feel it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so I walk away from the hell no's and the hell maybes, and I only do the hell yeses. That's a huge boundary. Another boundary is friends that are constantly negative and complaining. Like I, I love being a good friend and listening and showing support, but when it's literally just constantly negative and complaining, and I feel that I'm energetically drained after I get off the phone, I limit, I don't cut people out, but I limit the amount of time I spend with them. And energy is something that I just feel like when, when I get off the phone or off a zoom, I feel either energized or drained. And when yes. I feel drained, I know that that's a relationship that I need to limit. So those are two boundaries. The other thing is body before business, which I learned from my coach, uh, Rosalind Fung, body before business. So I plan my day around my workout. 
that. Oh, my, nice. My health is my priority. So I work out six days a week or I get a massage or I do yoga, but I do something for my body every day, no matter what. And it's a non-negotiable. Oh my gosh, that is awesome. Those are amazing tips. I want to backtrack to number two, because I can hear listeners questioning, how do I move ahead when I need to start like having these balanced boundaries without guilt, because we can all feel that intuitive sense when we're either expanding or we're contracting. But even when we do feel those senses of contraction, we still do it out of the obligation piece, which kind of ties into your number one, but how can they be their best selves without guilt? Well, guilt is a wasted emotion. It doesn't affect any change. It's literally something that is only used to beat ourselves up. So if we're guilty, it's literally like you're beating yourself up. And I take three words out of my vocabulary because these are all words that are guilt-inducing. Would have, should have, and could have. If mm -hmm. I'm saying, oh, I should have done that. I could have done better. I, I would have done so much better had I done this for that. Like... Those are all words that beat myself up. So I have faith that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I get to be happy. If I do something out of guilt, I'm not showing up as my best self anyway because I'm giving from an empty cup. And when I show up resentful because I really don't want to be there, I'm not you know, spreading the love and sharing God's light with that event or yeah. that person. So it doesn't serve the person if I show up out of guilt either. It doesn't. That's brilliant. I love being able to um, delete those from our internal vocabulary. I think that's really, really powerful. Did you ever just wish there was a group of high vibe women entrepreneurs that you could hang out with? A place where you could share your wins, get a biz question asked, and be around people that just get you. Well, there is my friend. It's my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group. I created a place on the web where like minds and open hearts could continue the conversations that we start here on the podcast. Fulfill your desire to develop friendships with women from around the globe. Women who are on the solopreneur journey just like you. Now more than ever, we are craving authentic connections. Believe me, your voice matters, your work matters, and having the support of a close-knit community can make all the difference in the world. So head over to Facebook and go to facebook.com slash groups slash Women Developing Brilliance and request to join my private Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group, the gathering place for heart-centered female entrepreneurs looking to create an impact, increase their income, and connect deeply with themselves and others in the process. I can't wait to welcome you in my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group, where you'll be encouraged to introduce yourself, ask a question, and meet other ambitious lightworkers just like you. Again, it's facebook.com slash groups slash Women Developing Brilliance. I'll catch you there. I know you're a fan of being unapologetically authentic. We have a lot of listeners that are entrepreneurs. They're looking to increase their visibility online. What are a few tips that you can provide so they can actually just step into that space of being unapologetically authentic? Don't censor. Just say it. If it come, if you're doing a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live, 
or even just writing a post, do not censor because those first thoughts or words, that's your true authentic self. That's coming from who you are, your soul. And then our mind, oh, well, you, again, should have, right? You shouldn't say that, or my ideal client wouldn't relate to that, would. And all those words that beat yourself up, instead of just unapologetically just speaking from your soul, do not censor. And when we look at, like, our favorite comedians, like Chris Rock or, you know, I don't know, uh, Kevin Hart, they're so funny and relatable because they're not censored. Like, we laugh when we hear what we would never have the guts to say, but somebody says totally. it, we think it, then we just laugh, right? So when you say what you really want to say and have the guts to actually say it, and a lot of people wouldn't have the guts to say it, people are going to just like relate. They're going to want to sign up for your program or you buy your products or whatever, because people mm-hmm. buy from people they relate to. So be- Yeah, that's brilliant. You read my mind with Kevin Hart. Like the minute you said our favorite comics, like Kevin Hart kind of like cruised through my brain. And I recently saw his most recent um, show, which was in his home. And he said it was the most vulnerable. And he was like, I think I just called my son stupid. Like he literally was even like almost checking himself. Like, I can't believe I shared that. My wife's going to kill me. Like, but it was funny. And we do get an outlet because they are speaking the truth that we sometimes feel and most often suppress. And then it also brings another personal story to mind. I recently this week actually posted something on my Facebook page that said, like, are we ready to flush the old paradigm down the toilet of work hard, sleep when you're dead mentality? Mm -hmm. And my father emailed me and said, I'm very surprised at that choice of language. I think you could have used something other than flush down the toilet. And it really, like, as much as I feel like I'm very mindful with my marketing, like, I have to say that definitely felt, I felt something. And then I had to, like, check myself, like, Will I change what I'm going to say in the future? Like, how do I sift and filter this? And then I was like, nope, that's exactly what I wanted to say. You know, so like sometimes we do have to step back. And especially when it's like close friends and family, we may have have to really tap in even more so to be like, nope, I'm still good. I'm still grounded. Well, it's people pleasing, you know, it's like the only And that goes back to being authentic. I used to be a people pleaser. I used to want to please everybody. I, I started off by the time I was eight years old, I was always, I was already playing national level tennis. So I was used to, did you win? Yay. And I thought I had to like earn everybody's love by being a high performer. But now it's like, it doesn't matter what people think of me. And I know this is not my original phrase, but what other people think of me is none of my business. The only people that matters is what I think of myself and what God or whatever your God is, the universe, your higher self think of me. Like mm-hmm. that's all that matters because ultimately if I'm going to try to please everybody, I'm going to twist myself into a pretzel and they might be pleased for one moment or one post, but then they won't like, like the next post or the next thing I say. And then I'll have to like twist myself into a pretzel again. And I just don't have the energy to do that. It's much easier just to please myself. A hundred percent. And I think back to your point of the authenticity, when you start trying to dilute your message out of the root of being a people pleaser, like you'll lose yourself so fast and you will not get your divine tribe attracted to you. Like it's so very important. I want to go back to your first pillar, which you mentioned was spirituality. And um, you also have had a lot of training with some top metaphysical leaders. I'm wondering how 
And when did you start bringing that into your business? When did it feel safe? When did you feel like you were going to be this mouthpiece to really talk about the big topics like God and spirituality? You know, I just started that when I wrote my book in 2018. I still do a part-time sales job at a children's acting school. So I don't bring those teachings into that job, but I do try to be of service and love them and connect with them and like see their divine light. But as far as talking about it, you know, a lot of people don't like the word God. They don't like talking about it. They don't like religion. But for me, it's just such a part of who I am. And to everyone, everyone has their own version and I'm totally okay with that. Some people like I said, say the universe or source or your higher self or divine wisdom, whatever that is, it's important to bring it into business for me because that's that's what magnetizes your soul tribe. That's what makes people want to do business with you. They They can connect with you. Yeah, that's beautiful. Why is spirituality the number one pillar in your opinion? Because it's everything. It's literally everything. You could have all the money in the world. You could be in the best shape in the world. And if you are miserable and hate yourself and hate life, what does all the money and having the best body do? You know, it's all about being joyous and living this surrendered life. And if you have that divine connection, if you're in flow, if you're living your day in surrender, Whatever happens, you can be okay. You can be happy because you're in surrender. You have you have a faith that all things are working together for your highest good, even though it might not feel that way in the moment. You have a bigger picture. You have just a beautiful way of being in the world. I really believe that we're here to have happiness and joy. We're not here to just just to be, you know, workaholics or I don't think U-Hauls are following Hertz, you know, like I don't think <laughs> you can take all this stuff with you like to the other side of the grave. So I think it's about creating impact by being joy- joyous and affecting people and being of service while you're here. And you can do that if you have your spirituality tapped in. Yeah, beautiful. I'm I'm a I'm a fan. I wholeheartedly agree. If we have a couple listeners that are like, man, that sounds awesome, but I can't remember the last time I laughed. I've had some loss. I've had some transition. Joy feels so elusive. What's your best advice for them to be able to tune in and tap in? It's in the simplicity of life. It's not in the big, you know, oh my God, that was the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's in just like the simple little things. Be in the moment and observe your reality. And there's funny things. So maybe you're living alone. Maybe Maybe you see something funny, like you walk down the street and you see like a little boy, you know, riding their bike next to a dog and that gives you joy. When we're self-obsessed and thinking about I, 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 me, me, me all the time, we can't feel joy. Joy is about focusing out and being an observer because life is so beautiful from a flower blooming to I know you're in the um, the winter season in New York, the snow on the trees, like it's all about focusing out and observing with your five senses. So what are you listening? What are you smelling? What are you seeing? Like, what do you, what does it feel like to be in a cozy blanket on a cold winter night? That's like so warm. Like it's all about getting into your senses and that, that brings you into the moment, which is a direct path to joy. 
Oh, that's awesome. I really, that, that alone, like if the listeners just gravitate to that, because we can oftentimes stay so encompassed in our own mental space that we're disembodied even with our own senses and we're eating fast, we're multitasking, like just to be able to pull it down to the basics savor your food, understand like the, the joys and the simplicities, like you said, that is, that's awesome. I think that we can all do that like inspired action today and take the time to be in the present moment, take the time, like they say, to smell the roses and to even be aware of that soft, cozy blanket and be grateful for that soft, cozy blanket. So I love that. That's beautiful. What do you have planned for 2021? What's big on your docket? Well, one more thing to say about that is gratitude that that taps into gratitude. And I know we talked about that when you were on my podcast, gratitude is the fastest way to go from agony and self-obsession to joy. So I am a huge believer in writing a gratitude list every morning. And you gave me the nice distinction of I am grateful because I was just writing I am grateful. So I would really encourage your listeners. I know Oprah's written a gratitude all her life and it's worked out for her. So I'm going to do it too. So 2021. Yeah. So I have a lot of great things planned. My podcast, The Balanced Beautiful Abundance Show is growing. I have some great guests on it coming up in the next few weeks like yourself. I also am really excited about my training program. I have a really cool seven-week program where each week we go through a different pillar and we do a deep dive and give people tips, tools, and strategies. So it's called Elegant Warrior Training. Ooh, I love it. Yes, thank you. So we have uh, Elegant Warrior Training going on this year. I'm going to be doing some international retreats. I was already invited to go to Medellin, Colombia as soon as international travel is open. I'm going to be doing a retreat in Medellin, Colombia, and just a lot of great stuff is happening this year. It's exciting. That's awesome. I'll definitely make sure to include the links in the show notes. Where can people find you? Yes, I am at Rebecca E. Whitman on Instagram and Twitter. So at Rebecca E. Whitman and my website is Rebecca Elizabeth Whitman. And I have a really cool quiz on my website, or I can give your listeners a direct link. And it's the inner out of balance quiz. So you can kind of take a snapshot of all seven areas of your life, because there are areas where you guys are like killing it. I know there are. And there are other areas that are a little deficient, which is totally normal. So it's good to see which areas are working so you can celebrate the wins. And it's good to see which areas are lacking so you know what to bolster. So it's a really cool quiz. It takes like one, one or two minutes to fill out. And that is a really great place to start as far as figuring out where you're in or out of alignment. Cool. That's phenomenal. And like we said in the beginning, you know, having as many balanced areas on that faceted wheel of the seven pillars is really going to bolster that sustainability and that joy and allow us to super thrive. So I'm really loving that. And if by chance you take the quiz and your scores are low, gratitude is your fastest way to bump those up exponentially. So if you were going to leave our listeners with some bright light wisdom as we close, Rebecca, what would it be? I would say call three people today and be a blessing. Don't ask for anything. Just like send them love. Say, I was thinking of you. You know, what are you doing today? What are you up to? And just listen 
And even if you just budget on your phone, because I know we're all so busy now, give someone 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and just be a blessing. Just listen. And if you do that, if you can do that every day, three people a day or even four or five times a week, you are going to just have so much more impact. And then coincidentally, they're going to refer someone to your business or they're going to refer you to something that will help you. And it just it's just a great way to expand your network and just to stay connected because connection is currency. The more connected and the more connections you have, the more abundance you're going to have. That is beautiful. Let's spread the good vibes, continue that positive ripple effect. I love that. Be the blessing. So thank you so very much. I think you're a blessing. It's been a joy to connect. It's been awesome. I'm so excited that we connected on our podcast platforms. I'm excited to stay in touch with you and you're just very inspiring and I'm so happy to be on your show. You are as well. Until we meet again, friend. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.